everyone's given one special thing, right? Everyone's blessed with one special thing. I want you to know I plan on being a star. A big, bright, shining star. Eddie Adams from Torrance. Yep. Jack Horner, filmmaker. I make uh, exotic pictures. In 1977, a kid from nowhere made me think about your name. My name, yeah. Something a little pizzazz. Dirk Diggler. Good name. I like your name a lot. Had a dream of getting somewhere. Jack Horner has found something special in newcomer Dirk Diggler. So let me just pop in this A-track, and you just give a listen to what you think, okay? It was a time when disco was king. These little ones, these are great. Yeah, those are really cool. Are they lizard? No, they're Italian. Do you like my shoes? They're pretty cool. Sex was safe. Pleasure was a business. Cut. Welcome to Movies Charles Hasn't Seen, episode 34. My name is Crossman. I'm Wilson. And I'm Charles. And this week we watched the 1997 movie Boogie Nights. So, Charles, tell us about Boogie Nights. All right, so Boogie Nights is about... I think he's a high school dropout who has a certain gift uh, and he gets recruited into the porn industry and um, I guess revolutionizes it with his acting skills, quickly rises to become a huge star, a huge successful star in the industry. But then he gets a little big, too big for his britches, um, gets, <laughs> gets overconfident and grows jealous of, his, of like a new colleague and uh, has an angry fit and gets thrown out and things don't go so well for him when he's not acting but then they reconcile and he rejoins them and there's some other side stories with all the different characters as well yeah it's kind of an ensemble yeah. movie yeah uh, this was my pick it was yeah um i think this movie is great like i think that it's one of the best movies of the 90s um, it's not my favorite Paul Thomas Anderson, but I think it's the best intro to him. It's one of the, it's probably mm -hmm. his most accessible movie. You really like The Master? Favorite? The Master is my favorite. I love oh. that movie. Yeah, uh, There Will Be Blood is a close, close second, but I like The Master a lot. Um, but this movie, I think, is it is just so crisply made, so well made that he that he managed to make this movie when he was in his twenties is extraordinary to me. Mm. Um, I think it's complex and fun and funny and rich. I. I there's not enough good stuff for me to say about this movie. I, I think it is just a joy to watch. I've seen it many times, and it's just a pure joy to watch every time I see it. Mm -hmm. So did you, how did you feel about it, Charles? I certainly enjoyed it. I feel like I appreciated some of the individual scenes more than I appreciated the movie as a whole. There's a lot of moments. In the yeah, movie. so I liked a lot of the moments. Yeah. Uh, I liked the filmmaking style. I could definitely discern some of that that really stood out mm -hmm. to me. Something about how the camera work was done just felt really nice. Um, but I wasn't as sold on the overarching story of Dirk Diggler and like the porn company and all that. It didn't feel that interesting in the end. It's just like, oh, he becomes a star and then he falls from grace and then he like has his redemption or something like that. <coughs> Maybe I'm missing something. Maybe more will come up when we discuss it more, but it just didn't feel that interesting to me. But definitely all the little scenes were extremely interesting to watch. It felt a bit like watching a Tarantino film because they would just have these discussions about things that weren't necessarily related to the movie, but that would be you know interesting to hear about and really learn about these characters. Um, yeah, and I, I like that style. Yeah, a lot of that's improvised or like mm -hmm. not in the script. Um, 
but yeah, it's, it's definitely, it, it, this would have been three years after Pulp Fiction. Mm -hmm. um, seven years, I think this is also a post Goodfellas movie in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. um, it kind of follows a lot of similar narrative beats um, and the, the same like, you know, rise to the top, fall, fall back down. Um, this ends with the redemption, Goodfellas doesn't really. Uh, but still a lot spoiler. of... Spoiler. Yeah, yeah, spoiler for I Godfellas. haven't seen Goodfellas yet. Oh, okay, well, now you know. Um, but in terms of, like, style and, like, how its narrative moves, it's very similar to that movie, I think. Um, I like this more than Goodfellas, but it's, uh, it's similar and clearly inspired by it. I don't know. How do you feel about Bleeding Eyes, Grossman? Uh, I think I'm closer to Charles, where, like, I like <laughs> individual scenes, but, because uh, the acting is so good. It's, yes, it is. Um, a lot of, like... Capital A acting here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we'll see Julianne Moore. Julianne Moore, Philip Seymour Hoffman's really good. Yeah. It's, it just, it's like the quintessential Philip Seymour Hoffman role, right? Like, where it's this small character that, like, in the hands of a lesser actor would fade into the background and he just finds so much humanity in this guy. Yeah. And, like, brings it to the front of the movie. Yeah. Uh, Burt Reynolds, incredible. Yep. Throughout the film. Mm -hmm. um, and even John C. Riley, like, kind of. Like shows. I, I, I don't even by even. Like of course John C. Riley. You know? <laughs> well, I mean, he's he's <coughs> difficult to figure out because he's such like a good comedic actor, mm -hmm. and he plays like a total dummy yep. most of the time. Yeah. Um, but there's there's a lot more to his performances. Um, in general, though, I find this movie kind of revolting. So. I, oh okay. Well, why is that? I, I don't know. I'm just like generally disgusted by. It. I think all the characters are. A few of them I think are redeemable. Wow. Most okay. of them are shitty and don't deserve their success redemption. Yeah. or redemption. And it feels like pretty all over. So like I like scenes in this movie if you think about them as like little plays, but. I'm I'm actually like not a huge fan of this movie. No, is yeah. that does that extend to the rest of his filmography, or is it like <coughs> Boogie Nights specifically? I think the Ruby Blood's an incredible movie. It, it is, yes, it is. Um, and I haven't seen the Master, but I hear it's it's good. Yeah. Um, from me, you heard that <laughs> just now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've heard it from a few people. Let uh, me look at the rest of his filmography. Well, Dude, can, he's I a weird movie in. His well, the weird movie is the Master. Uh, his most recent movie is in Vice which was good, and based on a Pynchon novel, so it's going to be weird. Uh, his mm -hmm. first movie was Heart 8 that not that many people have seen. He did Punch Drunk Love after this, and then Magnolia. Punch Drunk Love, that's a weird one, right? Because it has Adam Sandler in it? Yeah. 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 His, which is considered, like, his best performance. It is. Um, and, like, if you hear PTA talk about that movie, like, he claims that he didn't realize he was doing anything strange. Like, he just thought he was making an Adam Sandler movie. It's like, this is what I think Adam Sandler movies are like. <laughs> like, I don't know if I'd buy that, but, like, that's, that's what he says. Um, I haven't when, seen it, so when, I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, it's, uh, it, it's a love, it's a pretty normal kind of movie in some ways, and that's mm -hmm. really just kind of a romantic comedy type movie mm -hmm. um, with Adam Sandler in it, but it kind of also takes more seriously the anger problems that all mm -hmm. his characters had early in his career. So, like, you look at the, the Billy Madisons and the... Um, the, oh. the Happy Gilmore's like all these characters like really fundamentally driven by anger right. and like these movies like they're, they're Punch Drunk Love uh, kind of takes that more seriously right I and see. like what, what there's a guy that, that can't handle his anger right what Instead would he actually look like cartoonish right like it's actually like oh it makes his life way worse and he like mm -hmm. can't function in the world like <laughs> that's what happens um, so yeah it's a it, Punch Drunk like, he hasn't made a bad movie I don't think but Punch Drunk mm -hmm. Love is also very good um 
As for this movie, I think it has a lot more going on than you jerks are giving it credit for. So. <laughs> no, I think it's a fine movie, and I understand like why you like it. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, uh, on a technical level, it's so astonishing, right? Like, it's just such a well-made movie. Like, you, you mentioned, Charles, that, like, how it's shot. And, like, yeah, it's just so competently constructed. And he made this movie when he was young. And he had made one other movie prior to this that, like, saw a major release. And it, this movie looks like a, a veteran made it, right? Yeah. Like, it, it looks like Goodfellas, and that was late career Scorsese. And mm -hmm. that is extraordinary. I very much noticed a lot of the... Uh, one-shot scenes or a lot of those. Yeah, he has a lot of one all fantastic because they're so detailed and lively. Yep. It really felt like I was getting into the scene, like the energy of the scene was like enveloping me when I was whenever I was watching those because like, I don't yeah. know, like I said before, it's so lively and... Uh, it feels see, like a party, right? Right, yeah. like all the people are interacting with each other in this very organic fashion. They come in and out of the scene naturally. Yep. It's just very well done. Yeah, like, I mean, it opens with that, right? Like, it, that, yeah. that opening sequence is really famous. Clearly a reference to Goodfellas when they're going down into the restaurant through the kitchen. Um, but the same thing here. Like, you see, it, 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 he introduces, like, every major character, nearly, in that opening sequence in mm -hmm. the space of five minutes. And, like, you have an idea of who they are and, like, how they're situated and how they interact with each other. And he does it all immediately. It's just it's just such efficient filmmaking. Yeah. It's, it's so... It has such great momentum, and it's so crisply put together, and you like know exactly what it's communicating to you. And he does it, you know, several times throughout the movie. And it's always just more information, more information. So you said you like the performances, you like the acting. Um, yeah, I think. Um, I mean, there's lots of great actors in this movie. Yeah, it's probably Wahlberg's best performance of his career. Well, well I mean, it's a perfect character for him. Yeah, versus yeah. Transformers Seven. Yeah, exactly. Like, like he's it's a it's a close close, uh, but he tops his performance uh, in Transformers Seven here. Well, what about versus <sighs> The Departed? The yeah, other, he's the other good, good movie he's been in. Yeah, I mean that's probably the last time he made a good movie, right? Yeah. Um, I like him in The Departed. I think that this character is just has more going on, right? Like it's mm. a supporting role in The Departed. Like he's not yeah. the lead there. Um, but speaking of The Departed, that he almost he wanted to cast uh, DiCaprio. In that role and uh, DiCaprio turned him down to make Titanic. As you wanted to cast DiCaprio as Dirk Diggler, mm -hmm. huh? Yep. Rookie has he had just made Basketball Diaries, which we discussed on the Heather's episode. <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> yeah. I think I should watch Basketball Diaries. <laughs> it seems to be like an important. It's a it's film. a film. <laughs> yeah, a yeah. turning point for so many things. Yeah, <laughs> there's clearly. Oh man, there's another sports movie, right? Um, but yeah, he he wanted DiCaprio. Um, DiCaprio turned him down to make Titanic. He says that he uh, regrets it, that he would be in Boogie Nights. He also wanted um, Sam Jackson in the Don Cheadle role. Oh. And Sam Jackson read the script and didn't understand it. And said, what the fuck so is this shit? So he really wanted to be like Tarantino. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And Joaquin Phoenix also turned down the main role. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, he was uncomfortable with the film being about pornography. Okay, that, oh. that was Sam Jackson's reasoning, too. Um, he had worked with uh, Samuel L. Jackson before in Heart 8, his mm. movie prior to this, um, which also had John C. Riley in one of his few like more serious roles. Mm -hmm. Heart 8's an interesting movie. Is that about drugs as well? I mean, there are drugs in it. It's what it really is. Like all PTA movies, it's a surrogate father and son uh, story. And mm, I'm thinking of the wrong movie then. Okay, because okay. it's it's him and Philip Baker Hall who plays. <laughs> no, I'm thinking of like some Samuel Jackson movie where where he's about drugs. drugs. <laughs> where <they're laughs> well, oh, Samuel man. Jackson's like a drug scientist who like makes MDMA. I 
don't know what that is. Okay, yeah, uh, <laughs> I'll find it. Okay, but yeah, no, Heart Eight is kind of a gambling movie. It takes place in Vegas, but it's also this, like all PTA movies, about a, a guy, an older man who adopts a younger man as his son. Formula Fifty One. I have no idea what that had is. had a number in it. And, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, the eight, yeah. In Samuel Jackson, so. Yeah, but it, and that movie is also one of the few leading performances from uh, Philip Baker Hall, who is one of our great national treasures. Um, he plays the... Who is that? He plays the guy that wants to transition to videotape in this movie. Um, he's kind of a that-guy actor. He shows up in a lot of things. Uh, I don't remember now. If you saw him, you would know who he is immediately. He's okay. one of those guys. He plays like the perfect crotchety old man. Yeah, in everything. <laughs> yeah, he, he has many, many acting credits. Um, yeah, he's got 176 acting oh, credits. Nice. <laughs> yeah, so you've yeah. seen at least a couple of those. <laughs> is, he the one who takes, is he the one who takes over the producer job after the pedophile gets jailed? Yeah, he, yeah and he wants to like transition them to videotape that okay, guy. Yeah, I, I get what you mean then. Yeah, right, he like he's guy. in everything. Um, but in any event, like there's a, yeah, you, you guys are both right. I think that there's a lot of great moments in this movie. I know what my favorite one is, but what were yours? Uh, I mean, I, I liked all the party scenes because of the reason yeah. before. Yeah. Um, I identify with the scene just because I'm into it, but I like the part where he's advertising the hi-fi, where Don Cheadle's <laughs> advertising the hi-fi. Because yeah. that's the struggle I've been through in the last few months trying to buy speakers for my house. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was wondering where you were uh, going. I've been, I've been through that. I'm an audiophile myself. So okay. I, I had an idea of what he was talking about, and I almost wish that he went more in-depth into that, but that's just my self-indulgence. You want some of that 80s tech? Yeah. <laughs> but he's, like, he's a faker, right? Because he doesn't he actually... Like... Make, he was making shit up, which yeah. I thought was hilarious, because that's the kind of stuff I had to listen for whenever I was asking <laughs> when, for recommendations on speakers. When he's at the beginning and he's he's explaining to the guy that he needs like the quad tubes for more whatever. Yeah, he does, <laughs> the, he does the face. <laughs> yeah, it's like something. But when he puts on the country music though, it's such a great punchline. I fucking love that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah he's quite the character. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, it's like those Tarantino scenes like I described before where like, you know, sometimes they're interesting explorations on the character but you can connect with him even more if he happens to hit the right segment of pop culture or hobbies that you're into yeah, and you yeah. know exactly what he's talking about and you get it. I hear that, yeah. For me, I really like the Alfred Molina scene, like the, the Jesse's girl. The whole time I was like, is that Alfred Molina? It is absolutely Alfred Molina. I love that he has the kid in that's the back. That's the botched heist. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's up for my lean on there. Like, yeah, I think that's the and best thing. rattle off all these songs yeah, that it, I know it right definitely in a is. row. Yeah, and like, I love that he has the kid in the background lighting off firecrackers the whole time, and everyone flinches except him. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's just like totally fine with it the whole time. That yeah. was bizarre. It was so weird. Like I love how weird it was. I love that he's just like running through all these great like 80s hits the whole time. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I wrote in my notebook... The soundtrack is fantastic, and then the next line up. Oh, never mind, they're playing "99 Loaf Balloons" again. No, "99 Red Balloons" is great. Like I don't know what your problem is. Referencing super. our discussion last week about Atomic Blonde, I was complaining that I feel like "99 Loaf Balloons" is way overused for '80s stuff. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, and so I'm just so tired of it. Well, it's it, just become it's so comical. Clearly, like identifies the '80s. Yeah, yeah, right, um, but it, it, it's too on the nose anymore. Yeah, and it, it was yeah. Like, it was even more on the nose in Atomic Blonde because it's of course. they're in Berlin. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, um, but they played like a cover of it, right? Well, they played the real they song, the real one, and, and the cover. cover. I really like the cover that's in Atomic Blonde. Yeah, yeah, that one is cool. I, but I think it was the real one here, um, in Boogie Nights. Uh, this, yeah. it's, like that's one. Well, of there's those, also the English and German, yeah, and German, one. yeah. So yeah, yeah. The, like that's one of those scenes where 
I can't hear Jesse's girl and not associate it with that scene. Like, oh, yeah. I just immediately think of this movie whenever okay. I hear that song. Well, I or Sister the, Christian. I already knew the song, so... Yeah, I mean, I did too. That and Sister Christian, I already knew those songs, so I won't make that association now. No. But yeah, no, those I'd, are both great songs. Yeah, like for me, it's just like inextricably linked to this movie. I, I was... I was doing the same motions that Alfred Molina was when Sister Christian was like building up to <laughs> yeah, the right. Uh, yeah, well, then he stops. He's like, "Hold on, I love this part." Yeah, exactly. And he does. That's the, how I feel every time I listen to that. He does song. the air drums to it. Too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like a, you can't not. I know. I love that scene. Yeah, I was doing the same thing, um, and every time I watch this movie, I do the same thing. Uh, so yeah, I think that 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 steals the movie in a lot of ways. And mm-hmm. Alfred Molina, uh, it's just one of those really great like small roles that yeah. you can't forget. For a long time, I thought this was a true story, but... Well, in a sense, it probably is. <laughs> no. Well, I mean, it was it was meant to be like a... Well, he, so he shot two versions of this movie. Well, he shot yeah. uh, like a mockumentary... Version. Yeah, that was... That was like a short... They had the same character. It had Dirk Dickler in it. Yeah. yeah. Um, Which I've never seen. I don't know if you can actually... This is probably hard to find. Yeah, I have mm-hmm. no idea. I've never attempted to. But, but yeah, I thought this was based on... A real thing, but apparently it's just made up. But it's loosely follows I mean, some events that were real. Yeah, and it probably tracks with a lot of careers in in film and entertainment and porn, whatever. Yeah. So what hit me off that it wasn't real though was that the heist scene. I thought that was going to turn into the Hollywoodland murders. Oh, okay. Which is like. Um, kind of a famous moment in LA that did involve the porn star that this movie is loosely based on. Okay. Interesting. Um, but like a lot of like four people died in that. Yeah, we're in this one it was like three, I think. He, mm, he shot the guy that looks like Ving Rhames. <laughs> yes. Um, he shot Thomas Jane died. Thomas Jane died. And then the kid with the firecrackers died too, right? Yeah, this is more of like a like did a firecracker kid died? I missed that. No, maybe he didn't then. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. But I think in real life it was more like some people got kidnapped and then like tortured and killed. Yeah, that would have oh. been a dark place for this movie to go. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that almost sort of happened at one point when the guys like drive up in the truck and beat up Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's as dark as this movie gets. It's like when yeah. that, that sequence between him and, and Roller Girl, um, they're, yeah. they're cutting back and forth. Um that's as really as dark as it goes. Yes, yeah, so that's where the movie kind of tipped its hand that it was more just like a historical fiction than it was. Yeah, I mean, I guess I always else. read this as fiction. Um, it, I mean, it, it's kind of like uh, the Star is Born kind of story, which is an mm-hmm. old story. I guess it's the, a porn Star is Born. I yeah, okay. Yeah. So <laughs> the, one, the Wonderland murders, um, it's our four unsolved murders that occurred in Los Angeles on July 1st, 1981. And it was assumed that these people were targeted in a known drug house. So, like, the setting is, like, correct yeah. for this. Um, this is or- masterminded by an organized crime figure named, a nightclub guy named Eddie Nash. So, again, this, like, mm-hmm. lines up with this movie yep. again. Um, his henchman, Gregory, Di- Gregory Diles, and porn star John Holmes were at times various arrested, tried, and acquitted for their involvement in the murders. Mm. Okay. And apparently John Holmes was, like, deposed, like, on his deathbed as he was, like, dying of AIDS. Okay. And, like, still refused to kind of implicate people in the murders. Good. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm talking about cops. Yeah. Um, that's, so, that's, yeah, I can see how that was inspired by So I was, like, expecting yeah. that to occur, and yeah. then it, it didn't, and then that kind of, like, tipped its hand that it wasn't real. But the first yeah. time I saw this movie, I thought it was real. And oh, it really? just, like, was a hmm. biopic for... Oh, no, for John Holmes. But just was, like, changed names for John Holmes. Oh, no, I, I never read it that way, but yeah. I, I see why you might think that. That makes sense. Because a lot of, like, similar things have happened. Yeah. I mean, it feels like a pretty universal story, right? Like, it, it probably does track with a lot of a lot of lives. Well, nobody gets AIDS, but... Well, I mean, again, yeah. not directly, but... Which they, is, like, where... In the broad sense like, that, you know, you start as a nobody, you become famous, and then you have a fall, right? Like, that story mm -hmm. happens all the time in Hollywood. Sure. Right? Um, so in that sense, yeah, it's, it probably is very much a true story for some people in some sense. Mm -hmm. um, but to that point, I like Paul Thomas Anderson uh, made this movie because he likes porn a lot. Um, that is <laughs> that's the reason he said so. Nice. That it, he, especially yeah. older stuff, he grew up with it, apparently he watched it all the time. Um, oh. And uh, yeah, and also liked, um, uh, liked movies. And he was fascinated by the porn industry as this lesser copy of the actual film industry, the feature mm -hmm. film industry. And I think that that is the, the, one of the themes you see running throughout this film is mm -hmm. copies, as lesser versions, alternative versions of something else. Um, and oh, yeah. the, the largest one is, of course, the, the porn industry copying the film industry. Um, you have Dirk Diggler as a version of Eddie Rivers. Uh, you have the uh, the James Bond porn knockoff that is not actually James Bond. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, the car that uh, the Philip Seymour Hoffman that Scotty buys is not actually the car that <laughs> that yeah. Mark Wahlberg owns. Um, it's the same color, right? And then of course the big tension here for Paul Thomas Anderson as a filmmaker is that digital film is an imperfect copy to him mm -hmm. of film, and you see that playing out in the movie itself. And that video is not as good as film. Um, and that's the dynamic he's wrestling with. <laughs> and I, I think that, that if, if once you start looking for that, start looking for copies, um, you, you see it everywhere. Like, I think it is all over this movie. I think it holds it together, that, that driving idea. Um, you, you, the paintings, like there's that girl that's painting the whole time and all of her paintings are shitty. Um, they're just like bad copies of all the portraits and all the people that she's drawing. Um, it's it's everywhere. That was, um, that was funny. Yes, I, I like like you have the I like at the very end you have the one of um, uh, little Bill as they're as they're oh. walking down the the hallway. <laughs> he just looks like a fucking freak show. But and and but yeah, the, like came back around on that joke. Who was the yeah. painter? It was the girl. Is the blonde girl um, that Don Cheadle marries? I think it was her that was okay. doing the bulk of the painting, right? Um, and and that's it, like you you see it all the time. But what makes this movie so endearing to me is that you have all of these imperfect copies and these people that are just like trying and like not getting there really or like making stuff mm -hmm. that's not quite as good and everyone around them is still just encouraging them and telling them that they're great and telling them to keep going and that what they're doing is worthwhile mm -hmm. and I love that about this movie I love mm -hmm. that it is so positive and so encouraging of just trying and just putting it out there and giving it a go and that I don't see in many other movies, and it is it is so sincerely communicated here um, that I it, it makes this movie very dear to me in that respect. Okay. Uh, I mean, I think there's a lot going on here. I think that's one of the bigger ideas, but um, it it keeps me coming back. 
I think I, I think I absorbed that subconsciously because now yeah. that you mention it, it makes so much sense. Yeah, I, I think I think that it is all over uh, in this movie, and then just like the movie itself is, of course, very much a copy of *The Star Is Born* and *Goodfellas*, and mm -hmm. like they're, it, it's constantly uh, in conversation, things like that. The award show is just a mimicry of the Oscars. That's not as good, right? <laughs> like, it, it's constant. Which is a real thing. That the adult, award yeah. show. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, that's why I think one of the reasons I don't like this movie maybe as much as you because I think the David Foster Wallace like that essay, essay, oh, amazing. essay called yeah. um, Big Red Sun yeah. about those awards and about the industry I think I love that essay I think it's, it's such like it encapsulates like everything around this industry that and, and critiques it in a way that like really reaches another level. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Welcome to David Foster Wallace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> but I think one of the things that like really comes through in that essay for me is how dis like disgusting everything is. Yes. Um, and, and it's like the f it's in Vegas, and Vegas is disgusting, and traveling to Vegas is disgusting. The and food, the people there, the, the things they're doing. Yeah. yeah. The, I didn't know the, this like, was in Vegas. I couldn't figure out where they were. No, I there's the San Fernando Valley. I assumed it was L.A. It, it is L.A. Yeah. Oh. The, the essay With, takes place in Vegas. Oh. And the awards always take place in Vegas. Okay. Except, yeah, in this movie. Um, yeah, no, no, they do in this movie. Oh, really? They say that they're driving oh, to I'm, Vegas. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, right. yeah you're, right, you're right. You're right. They're, like, in the car, like, on the way. Right. But the, the, the bulk of the action of the movie is the San Fernando Valley. There's a, there's a, a thing at the beginning that says that. Um, but, yeah, the, I've read that essay. It is phenomenal. Um, I completely agree. I think what's important to remember, though, um, when reading that essay and applying it to this movie is that he wrote it uh, in the 90s. Uh, whereas I think you see this major act break in this movie when it, the when 1980s, right? Like that's clearly yeah. where it goes dark. Mm -hmm. um, and returning to our themes of copies and mimicry, like the, before that, like in the 70s, like so the before Bill kills himself essentially, you have pornography that is focused on or is trying to focus on sex as a joyful experience, right? As, as something mm -hmm. that is about uh, sharing pleasure and is about something that w you're making someone feel good, right? And you're, you're, you're trying to help people. It's trying to be this positive force. And whereas when it shifts in the 80s, after Bill kills himself, after they move to video, that is less authentic, that's when you see sex becoming violent, becoming non-consensual, becoming fake, mm -hmm. right? And I think that is an important point that PTA is trying to make here, is that sexuality is not something that is inherently a violent, negative, demeaning force, right? That when treated with respect and care, like it was at the beginning of this movie, you can create something positive. You can create something that will make you better and bring people together, mm -hmm. as opposed to what happens after 1980 in this movie where sex becomes something destructive. Uh, and becomes something that is, that is dehumanizing people rather than drawing their humanity out. And so when DFW is writing this essay in the 90s, it makes a lot of sense to me that he is seeing something grotesque, right? Because the, the porn industry never really returned to PTA's vision or understanding of what it was in the 70s, which is what drew him to this, making this movie in the first place, right? Whereas it, after that, it became DFW's vision and Big Red Sun, 
what he saw and experienced accurately. Uh, the, the porn industry never really got out of that. Um, and that's kind of the, one of the tragedies of this movie. Okay. Sure, yeah. That was, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't think I've thought about this movie at the same level that you have. I've seen yeah. it a lot. Like, uh, I mean, clearly. Yeah, like, this, yeah. That, to be, put my cards on the table. This, this is at least my fifth or sixth viewing of this movie, probably more than that. Um, I've, I've read the script. Like, I've, I've looked at this movie closely. Um, the script is interesting. There's a lot of stuff that didn't make it. Um, there was it, it, this is a long movie to begin with. There was a sequence where he crashed. It's supposed to be like three hours. Yeah, and it's uh, two a little more than two and a half. It's like two forty or so. And the studio's like, no, you can't. Right. Well, and the that. stuff they cut was good stuff to cut. <laughs> that there was a, a bit where the, there's the uh, what's her name Betty something or other the black girl marries. Um, that guy who's talking about like peace and love at the party. Mm -hmm. There's a sequence where he ends up beating her. Mm. And like Dirk has to go and like try to stop him or something, and they cut that out of the movie. There's a sequence where he crashes his car, um, that is like his Corvette or whatever it was. So um, that's why it was wrecked. Yep. So that's why it was wrecked um, because there is a bit where he crashes it, and that's why they're trying to steal his money so he can fix his car. Mm. Um, there's another bit that they were very wise to cut where the uh, rival uh, upstart porn star John Doe dies in a car crash. Mm. And then it turns out that the guy, because he was high and drunk or whatever, it turns out that he had crashed into Dirk's parents' car and killed both of them. Oh, and Dirk great. goes back to his parents' home and finds that the home had been bought by the girl that he was fucking at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> it's like, no. no like, that's that should not be yeah, that, <laughs> like, We don't need to tie it up like that. Right, it's just like this massive string of coincidences. <laughs> and they're like, they were very correct to cut that's that out of the movie. Much. Yeah. Um, so I think the movie is better for not having any of that in it. Um, but the script itself is, is interesting because it is so, because it's written by the same guy that directed it. So he gets to be, he gets to direct from the script. Mm. So there's a lot of really specific descriptions of the shots and like the, the framing that mm -hmm. is used and the cameras that are used. Like he has, he has instructions in there about uh, the frame rate for certain shots, like in huh. the script, which you never see. Um, so yeah, it's a, yeah. It, I mean, you, you don't see it if the guy is writing it and handing it off to a different director. Right. Right. Yeah. Like he's writing it for himself so we can put that in there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a, it, it was an interesting read, uh, in, in that respect. And a lot of the, a lot of memorable dialogue isn't in the script. Like a lot of it was improvised later on. Um, so it, it, interesting in that respect too. Uh, it was a good read. I think for me also one of the issues is Wahlberg is distractingly bad. As an actor? Yeah. yeah I mean, Leo would have been better. He's, maybe. He's good <laughs> at playing like a dumb person. Yeah. Um, but most of his movies are, uh, I don't know. He's, he doesn't <laughs> read as like a great actor to me. And to, for him to be the centerpiece of the film is like. It felt like he was perfect for this role. I, I like, like I felt like his obviously. flavor of badness was right for this character <laughs> yeah. so that he didn't take me out of the movie. Yeah, like it, it almost felt like they should have done like a soap opera actor or something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he if you want to go in that direction, he wasn't that big a name at this point. But he's, a lot of these people weren't either. Though. I mean, Julianne Moore definitely was. Um, Philip Seymour Hoffman wasn't really. Philip Seymour Hoffman was not. Uh, yeah. Is Reynolds this like right before was. Big Lebowski? I think this was ninety-seven, so it would have been right. At, no, Big Lebowski was ninety-eight, wasn't it? We've had this like confusion. <sighs> yeah, we have a couple uh, times. It would have been in the, it was in the same stretch there. Yeah. Yeah. So this is two movies I, Julianne Moore was in where they talk about making porn as art. <laughs> yeah. Right. I don't exactly. think. Uh, yeah. Big Lebowski's ninety eight. So for right after. Yeah. Um, I don't think 
Don Cheadle is that big of an actor at this point either? No, I, I, mean, no, I think that neither is John C. Riley. That but. this, but both of them. Well, at least what Don Cheadle uh, got him somewhere else after this. Yeah, I mean the John C. Riley had made PTA's first movie. Um, and other than that, I don't know what he'd done prior to this, uh, but he clearly got a career. The best performance is Julianne Moore, I think, oh, by a yeah. country mile. Like, Far and away. She is phenomenal in this movie. Uh, and famously didn't need to be directed that much. Like, oh, yeah. he, he just handed her the script and she like, constructed the character herself. Just nailed it. Yeah, yeah. She was, it was just one take. On the, um, on the topic of copies, one thing I found amusing was when they're shooting the porn scenes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they hyped it up the before the scenes where they were shooting the porn about, like, how they're going to make art and they're going to make... Yep. You know, a film that would make people a real want to stay movie. after they yeah. come and all yeah. that, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, and then they're they're shooting it, and it's the typical like terrible yeah. porn, porn with horrible <laughs> acting yeah. that we always laugh about. <laughs> yeah. But it's just amusing seeing these actors who you know can really act, except maybe Marky Mark, I guess. But these actors who you've seen act throughout the rest of the movie yep. actively acting terribly when they're shooting the porn, I just found that hilarious. It, it, yeah, like and and Anderson had to direct them. For that, like there, yeah. there are stories about how he, he would have to like sit them down and say, "No, you can't actually be a real actor in these scenes. You have to deliver these lines poorly." Right, no, and, great. Yeah, and it's it was hilarious. So funny how stilted yeah. their lines were, how wooden they were. You right. can tell that they're acting badly on purpose, and it's just so funny. Yeah, well, and it makes all the encouragement that they get like so much sweeter, right? Like yeah. that these people are just like they see this thing that's like obviously not good, but like everyone around them is just so enthusiastic about it and mm-hmm. thinks it's so great mm-hmm. and like it's it's so endearing to me to see these people just unconditionally and sincerely encourage yeah. them just because they're trying their best right well and like they basically become a new family right, right. a lot of yep. these people are running away from bad former yep. family lives and they yep. form a new family here yeah and that yeah that's the the other major thing going on in this movie is the, the surrogate family you see it throughout his career uh, pta's career this yep. is a, a common theme for him um and julian moore is the obvious one that she, they, she's literally referred to as a mother yeah by multiple characters throughout throughout the movie um and then like the brother-sister relationship between roller girl and dirk and then uh, yeah. burr reynolds is the is the dad um so yeah, I th- you're absolutely correct. Uh, that also makes the ending so effective for me as well that there isn't some big mea culpa that he has to give at the end, right? Mm-hmm. There's not this moment where like he has to throw down with Jack and be like, well, you did this and this and you ran out and well, what, were you, what have you been doing and why did you blah, blah, blah. Like he comes back, he's broken, he is harp- it, 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 he's broke and broken yeah. and they just, take them in no questions asked and pick up right where mm-hmm. they left off and I, I love that about the movie I love that it doesn't have to have this big dramatic you know melodramatic moment it can just be you need help yes of course I'm going to give it to you of course mm-hmm. I'm going to give you a place to stay of course you can you can have you can have it back like mm-hmm. because you're family right and that I, I love that about the movie I love that they dodge that trap right and it's know. it's interesting because it's framed <coughs> around this porn company, right? Yeah. You wouldn't think that way about this kind of like seedy industry. Right, right. Yeah, and I think that that's, again, the tragedy of the film is that, because mm-hmm. you see Paul Thomas Anderson's sincere love for it here, mm-hmm. right? Like this isn't just some guy that's getting his rocks off. Like he actually sees the value in what they're doing mm-hmm. and that he can make this 
love letter to it and, and to me at least make it felt and make it seem like something substantial and real and, and actually be something substantial and real is to, what, a, what a testament to him as a filmmaker. Um, it's just so honest, so true. So Burt Reynolds apparently didn't get along well with Paul Thomas no, Anderson no, during the film. Was <laughs> did not. <laughs> um, but then goes on to win an uh, Academy Award yep. for his performance. Oh. Yep. Um, his only one, I believe. So, this, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess he was in, like, Deliverance, right? <laughs> he but was in Deliverance and Smoking the Bandit. <laughs> yep. And Smoking the Bandit 2. He was an archer. Yep. Gator. As himself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so he he did that, um, and I don't. I, this is certainly the high point of his career. Uh -huh. I, I I don't know what he's made that's better than this movie. Deliverance is good, but this is better. I don't know. Smokey's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. all Run, right? Yeah, yeah. He did he did that movie too. That's different uh, from Smokey and the Bandit. <laughs> yeah, similar. <laughs> yeah. Smokey's about bootlegging, though. It's mm -hmm. yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, <laughs> um, he's really good in this film. He's so good as like a creepo old guy. Yeah, you read him as creepy and an artist. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know. Okay. I mean, I... He picks up like high schoolers and castaways to like be in his film and yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but it's. He's also saving them, right? Like, because what what does Dirk Diggler do if Jack Horner doesn't come along, right? Like, he was literally prostituting himself, mm -hmm. like in in the the closet at the at the nightclub. Like, I think that's the point of this movie is that, or one of the points of this movie is that it doesn't need to be seedy, right? It doesn't need to be negative, right? Mm -hmm. Like, just because you are in in the sex work industry it doesn't mean that what you're doing is something grotesque and disgusting, right? Like, there's a way to do it that is positive. And, mm -hmm. I th and th th there's a way to do it that, it that can save people. And I think that is what the Jack Horner character can be at his best. And I think that is what he is for Dirk Diggler in this movie eventually. I mean, look at his home life, right? Like, that, the, it, it's these people that, his parents are these people that are not just asexual, but like anti-sexual, right? And... So I think you see, and that's where he, his life would fall apart were it not for these very sex positive people that are coming along to show him that it can, what he's good at can be valuable. Yeah. Right? Like the thing that is good about him can actually be good for other people. Right? And, and that it, it's, it, to me, it's just such a positive message in that way. Um, so yeah, I don't read him as creepy. You look very skeptical, but I don't really I did, yeah. I, I found him to be pretty gross. <laughs> <laughs> but I find most of this movie kind of gross. So. Okay, yeah, you, I mean, you, you said that, and I don't know, I guess I never read it that way, but uh, to each their own. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I mean, you could read um, the way he sticks Heather Graham on Mark Wahlberg is a bit creepy, because he, like, sends her after him as, like, a scout, and then, like, you know, has him have sex right in front of him, as an audition as well, and you know, I guess that scene is a bit creepy. It's, I mean, I, I don't think that's the way the movie wants. It. If you read it, if you read, your read is is valid, right? Whatever the audience sees is what they see. But I don't think that that's what PTA is going for, right? Yeah. Like, I don't think that that's what this movie is supposed to be about. Like, I think it is it's supposed to be something where he is being rescued, right? Where he is being shown that he can have a positive impact on people mm -hmm. and that he can be valued for who he is. 
Um, and well, what about Heather Graham's role in that exchange? I mean, she's uh, she's in it already. Like she's probably done this for yeah. Jack Horner. Like she was rescued or whatever. Um, and at, at any at any point, if she refuses, I didn't get the sense that he would say, you know, tough stuff, right? Like she asks, he asks her if she wants to participate, and she says, yeah, mm -hmm. right. He he asks Mark Wahlberg if he wants to sleep with the royal guard. He's like, yeah, let's do it. Mm -hmm. right? Like everyone's on the same page. Um, and I, I think that's where it gets... Are they, though? Are you sure there's not an implication? <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I, but I think that that's, you see at once 1980, like the breaking point in this movie, is when you start seeing actual non-consensual sex happening, right? Like mm -hmm. that's when the, the colonel is arrested for his child porn, right? Like yeah. that, that's when you see things that are going on that aren't positive, right? Things yeah. that, that don't have everybody on the same page. And, and uh, so in that way, I think the movie's drawing this really clear line between this is something positive, this is something everybody wants over here, this is something negative where we're dominating some people, right? Mm -hmm. I guess that yeah. leads to the scene with Roller Girl in the limo. Yeah, exactly. Um, yes. That's when it kind of takes a bad turn. Yep. Yep. Like that, because that we said before, that's the, the darkest point of the movie yeah. is when is, she is nearly raped. And, and what is what are the, it, Jack's... In, Direction throughout that scene are you know make it sexier. Yeah. This is you can't just like toss it in her. You have to actually like you have you have to come care about your sexual partner. Mm -hmm. And the guy that they pick up off the street doesn't care about his sexual partner. And that's a negative. That's when the movie dips as dark as it can be. Mm -hmm. right. So yeah, the colonel also gets beat up in that scene. Yes, or like right after. Yeah, you no, know, that's more closer to the end of the movie where they have the shot of him in the jail cell. I yeah. think it happens like about the same moment. Okay, well, either way, that does yeah. happen. Um, and yes, he, he does. <laughs> yes, he does. Um, so that, yeah, that's a little bit of vengeance on PTA's part. Um, and, and, and like Mark Wahlberg, like there's the sequence when they're, uh, he's introducing his um, Brock Landers character. <laughs> and uh, he has lines, Mark Wahlberg has lines where he says like he doesn't like, uh, when the when women are abused, when women are demeaned in his movies, like yeah. that, because that's not fun, that's not sexy, that's what yeah. he says, right? And as soon as he starts breaking that rule, which he does, that's when he falls apart, right? Like that's when he is kicked out of the the family. That's when he like does his prodigal son thing, and has to come back. Is when he breaks that rule. That mm -hmm. So, I, I think that there's a lot of really good, like sincerely good lessons about how to approach your sexuality and your interaction with your sexual partners in this movie. Like, I think that there's a lot mm -hmm. you can take out of this and learn from this. Um, so no, I don't think it's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> I do like the camera guy. Um, um, which one? Who's just so nonchalant about everything? Yeah, and there's a really great moment later when they switch to video. Yeah. And he's like giving on-screen direction. Yeah. And he's like, Oh, just go like it's video. We can just we like, can tape it. Yeah, we right. can just shoot a vod shoot, shoot, and we'll shoot, fix shoot. it later. Yeah, shoot it, fix it in post. Yeah. I did really like the camera angle. Those looking directly into the camera. There's just something really clean and crisp looking about that yeah. shot. Oh, and you see the like image flip upside down, or just there's a few. Yeah, there's one where you when see they're like filming the first porn scene. There's a few cuts to <clears> just looking directly yeah. into yeah. the camera, and there's just something really cool about how that looks. Yeah, well, I mean that's uh, to, to me that is just PTA's love affair with film. Right, mm -hmm. like you're you're getting exactly what he's intending. Well, yeah. he's showing the mechanical yeah. innards of the <laughs> yeah. camera. They have the film and the out. film. Right, and you see exactly like how it is all moving and the the actual physical material of what's going on there. Like, mm -hmm. 
and, and I think that they, that returns to his point about the authenticity in 1970s versus the inauthenticity in the 1980s, whereas with film you have this physical, real thing um, that you have to you have to value because there's only so much of it. You have to think about how you're using it, as opposed yeah. to the videotape where you don't, right? Like you can just shoot and shoot and shoot. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess mm -hmm. there's like the other side to that argument though, where like video kind of like democratizes media yeah. much more so than film because film yeah. is so expensive that. It's very difficult to and be like, like hard a. Hard to handle. Yep. So yeah. If you're thinking like about film in general, you have similar arguments, right? That like the only people that can become involved in the movie industry mm -hmm. are those that can work with. That can afford it. Uh, yeah, those that can afford it. So it's like those that can work within studios. You get to video, and that's where like, you know, the video camcorder comes out, and then everybody gets access to video. So like the technology. In a way, like democratizes the the medium. Yeah, and, and, and that, so. there, that's correct. Like I think yeah. that there's a lot of merit to that argument. Um, the the other side of it is that yeah. video can also isolate, right, for the audience, right, for the filmmaker. It's not, it's universally a democratizing force, I think. Yeah. But for the audience, what you once did in a theater, you now do by yourself at home, right? Mm -hmm. And so, what was once a communal experience becomes an individual experience. And you, it becomes less about drawing people together and more just about feeding you exactly what you want in the, your moment. Yeah. Uh, which I think returns again to these the themes in this movie about mm -hmm. togetherness versus isolation, individuality versus community. Um, and mm -hmm. so yeah, it kind of functions on a lot of levels, that metaphor between the transition in, in uh, media. Yeah. Uh, but, and you see those same arguments playing out now with the transition to fully digital, actual digital uh, film all the time because that's we've we've made the transition like it has happened. Yeah, the quality yeah. is just so high on digital yep. now, or it was before. It was like a question. Yep, it's, and it's cheaper, mm -hmm. and more people have access to it. More people can use it. Like we have. Wasn't episode one like the first like digital film? Really, I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know. Let's see. Probably. Yeah, I mean, but, but PTA is still making movies on film. Like he's he's one of those people. The master was thirty five millimeter. Mm -hmm. It showed special at special theaters that can do that. Yeah. Um, nope. <laughs> it wasn't episode two. <laughs> <laughs> Attack of the Clones. <laughs> well, okay, that one was better. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> there were a lot of things that were better than episode one. Yep, including episode two. <laughs> yeah. Um, so okay, well now we know that fact. <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, this movie was shot on film. I, th I don't think I don't know if he's ever made a digital movie. I would be surprised. Um, yeah. Well, his, his love for hi-fi makes a lot of sense then, because the world of hi-fi is very focused on going back to the ways of the old things like tube yeah. amps and yep. listening to vinyl and things like that. It's the same sort of deal where like vinyl is less accessible and like more expensive, ostensibly lower quality than digital music. <coughs> mm -hmm. um, but it has a certain old feel to it. That's kind of like how film. I think I've talked about this before. Actually, we've talked this about podcast. this before, but it's still worth mentioning again. The film, um, yeah, I think film yeah. quality still beats digital. I could be wrong, but like Dunkirk was shot in like seventy millimeter. And it's gorgeous. Yeah, yeah, I don't well, know I, if that's I thought possible. People like film because it has a certain like scratchy look mm -hmm. to it and. It has the little artifacts that pop up and it feels more organic that way because we're used to watching film like that, right? So similar for vinyl because there's imperfections in it, there's yep. the pops, the sound is warmer, is that sort of deal. Yeah, well, and 
it, part of it is the age too, right? Because like now, you, like you watch a Capio Dunkirk or The Master, which is a gorgeous movie. Like you watch it now, and these movies are made recently on film, and the film hasn't degraded that much, right? And like yeah. you don't you don't see as much of the, the you, you don't see as much of the film itself when yeah. you're watching the movie. Uh, whereas older films, like we watched the Network at Film Forum, which was <laughs> a very beat up copy of Network, and yeah, like you can. Was- Put through the ringer. Yeah, like you can see it, right? That's because it's similarity between the media, because like yeah. the more you use them, the more they degrade. Right, as opposed to digital. They they they're very obviously well loved. Right, like you you watch episode two today, <laughs> and it looks the same <laughs> as it did, you know, in nineteen or two thousand one or whenever the hell it came out. Yeah. Um, so I I think there's that side of it too that it, it you see the progress of the film in a literal way, right? Mm-hmm. Like you see it. Uh, age um, in a way that that doesn't exist on on a digital media. Yeah, I mean it's a physical like thing. It's a physical thing, right? Yeah. Um, so I think it's it's appropriate for PTA to use that metaphor in this movie about the authentic '70s versus the inauthentic '80s, mm-hmm. right? That there, there's something true about film and what you can learn from the actual physical thing that is untrue of digital. It definitely did seem to like. I mean, it it obviously like cheapens even them like the media that we consume because I feel like they switch from like um, VHS to DVD mm-hmm. was like oh suddenly like DVDs were everywhere yep. and it just like the price of DVDs just was able to drop like so much faster than. VHS, yeah, which is a good thing. And then we, right? yeah. yeah, when we switched to digital, like even more so, because now you like no longer need this like physical thing. Yep. Yep. Apparently, that's causing like a lot of issues in terms of like preservation. I can imagine because like yeah, museums and like media museums are having like a hard time figuring out how to like preserve all these things. So mm-hmm. you have to like for video, you have to like record it to like these like golden DVD discs that will like never rot. Interesting. And then you need multiple players that can like play yeah, those like, DVDs so you have to like preserve the like playing technology oh and the the uh, medium itself interesting yeah I mean, it's, like, it's a big challenge for museums now yeah. Yeah. although I, I suppose on the other side of that coin yeah. preserving film in terms of the actual the movie not the physical film yeah becomes much easier right where you don't have to worry about maintaining the actual plastic of it Right, like Making you sure can, it doesn't light on fire. Right, you can transfer it to a digital source. Yeah, and then you can at least, if something happens to the film, still have you can still watch the movie. Right, yeah. like you can still exhibit it somewhere. Um, so in that sense, it's a major boon to digital is a major boon to film preservation. Um, two sides of so many coins. Yeah, it's just the question is like, where is all this? gonna live forever and just like on the internet somewhere I guess is yep. the, the answer. Cloud. Yeah. Yep. In the cloud. Yeah. And the cloud. So yeah I, I don't know but I, there's also a sense here of in a less concrete way the, the romance of it which I think that PTA is very concerned with. Right? Like yeah for sure. Yeah. The, uh, I mean the music alone says that. Oh yeah. Really. We, I mean, we've probably talked about the soundtrack in this movie but. The soundtrack's incredible. The soundtrack yep. is incredible. They must have spent so much money on the rights to this music. Yeah, the only yeah. song that's mentioned by name in the script is Sister Christian. Okay. <clears throat> Everything else uh, he must have done afterwards because he didn't know what he was going to get rights to. I yeah, that's in- insane that he got access to the songs that he got. No kidding. Yeah. yeah. And like so well chosen. Like there, there are so many moments uh, in this movie that um, when 
Little Bill Kills Himself. I wrote down what the song was, but it made so much sense at the time. Uh, Do Your Thing, that was it. Do Your Thing was playing uh, when he kills himself. And like it's so ironic in that moment, right? Because hmm. a lot of this movie is about being true to yourself, right? Like you have Don Cheadle's character that can't figure out what he's supposed to be wearing, doesn't figure out what, what Darby's supposed to be in. You have yeah. the... Uh, John C. Riley character kind of wants to be a magician, and everyone's just like, "Yep, go be a magician." Yeah, the character that also wants mm -hmm. to be a painter, right? Whereas the little Bill character has this wife who's doing what she wants to do, but what she wants to do is sleep with other men all the time <laughs> without his consent, right? Yeah. And like that, <clears throat> so it, it's saying like you can do what you want to do, but do what you want to do in a way that is safe and consensual and yeah. puts everyone on the same playing field. Um, so it plays out so darkly ironic there that that, that song is playing uh, when he decides to shoot himself in the first like really startling moment in the movie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the other thing that, to note about the music choice in that sequence, uh, <clears throat> the, in the 70s party scene, like the, the first one where Dirk is meeting everybody, all the songs are in a major key, whereas oh. in the 1980s everything's in a minor key when things are getting darker and sad. All right. Uh, the, not an accident, I'm sure. Uh, there, there's a lot, lot of like so. It's not just good songs; they're like carefully chosen songs. Spinal Tap makes fun of that. Oh, the minor key, major key thing. Oh yeah, yeah there's a whole right. scene about it. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, <laughs> you haven't that's, seen Spinal Tap, right? Nope, Charles. <coughs> that, I have not. That, that that is a funny movie. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, it's one of the greats. It is one of yeah, um, and, and I'm sure that PTA was inspired by that when he made his Dirk Diggler mockumentary. Um, that eventually led to this movie. Yeah, I think he made it like right after seeing Spinal Tap. That makes perfect sense. I think sense. I read that yeah, online. That, that makes perfect sense. I think you, that was such like a seismic change. It was such a new thing. Yeah, the, whole, the concept of a mockumentary. Yeah, just like yeah. never existed before. Yeah. And it was done so well and even today like holds up really well, so. Yeah. Well, and you can see, because some of that footage from that movie must have made it into Boogie Nights. Because there is that sequel where, where Amber, where the Julian Moore character, is directing the documentary about Dirk Diggler, and yeah. it, which is just ridiculous. <laughs> and like that must have just been pulled straight from this story of Dirk Diggler documentary that he made. Because okay. it, it looks a lot like Spinal Tap. Apparently the guy who plays the Colonel was in both films. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> hot hot trivia fact. Yeah. <clears throat> now we know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Apparently that guy's a voice actor, too, which makes sense, because he has like, a really... He has an excellent voice. He has a really good voice, yeah. Yeah. Uh, when he when he asks uh, uh, Dirk if he can see it, <laughs> and I, I love that moment. <laughs> yeah. He just kind of gives his creepy smile. <laughs> yeah, just like, Thank you. <laughs> like that was that was excellent. Um, yeah, I, and I like that they have. He's that. so like Hollywood gross. Yeah. Too. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. And he he actually is the one that's kind of pushing the line, right? Like he because yeah. he's showing up with these anonymous young girls right and he sees her od and he doesn't give a fuck that's the other thing that was in the original script there's a throwaway line in the script about the girl that ods um from the bad coke that she dies and he's just and the, like he's trying to console the guy that she's with and she's like oh is that girl okay he's like no she's dead mm. <laughs> it's like and they cut that <laughs> that's too dark well it was implied yeah yeah it was um but yeah he, he's just constantly bringing this string of of uh New girls that have no name, and yeah. So he, and if there is a disgusting character, it's it's him. It was also the whole being jailed for pedophilia. Yep, thing. that's that really so uh, puts, a, it pretty puts a point on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think Mark Wahlberg waits like an unbelievably long amount of time to try coke. <laughs> Whereas like 
it felt like it should have happened in like the first scene. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I think he's supposed to play as very innocent early on. Yeah, extremely. Yeah, like I, he is a babe in the woods yeah. um, at at the beginning of this movie. Uh, and and you're probably right, like in a realistic sense. But in terms of like how it how the drama of it develops, it makes sense to have the breaking point again be where everything else breaks down. Like to have it all happen at the same time, it, mm -hmm. it drives the thematics of the home. The, film home really well especially yeah in a moment where like cocaine is obviously everywhere yep yep uh -huh. and like easily accessible yep. um yeah that didn't read correct to me yeah i mean it, it, <laughs> yeah. it didn't bother me that much and i think it it pays off in the sense that it articulates the character well it articulates the act break really well uh, and the themes really well so like i i get what's going on there so what do you think happened to Wahlberg? Do you think he's just a one-and-done actor? Or? Well, I mean, he... What do, you, what do you mean? Well, he's not a good actor in any of the following movies of his career. He's, no, he's... I, I think that... I, I mean, I disagree with your assessment. I think he is good here. Um, and I think he's good in The Departed. Like, I... Okay. Yeah, I like I like him there. So um, he's like two for. Yeah, he's gonna do a, a very specific 50. character. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and Wahlberg, the guy is like kind of a shithead. But he was good yeah. in the first Ted movie. No kidding. Okay, I didn't see that. It was like kind of like not, a. I did not like Ted. Dumb Boston guy. That I mean, he is a dumb Boston guy. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. That's why he's so good at it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. That's just <laughs> correct. Um, so no, I think I think he's actually good here. Like I buy him as this. You know, innocent guy who gets a lot thrown at him all at once and doesn't really know how to deal with it, and goes off the deep end with ego and drugs and violence and learns to come back. Right? Like I, <clears throat> it makes sense to me. Right? And I, I also appreciate him as a so sounding board for the better actors. Right? <laughs> like that, uh, Julianne Moore. Like he knows how to give space to Julianne Moore to like just be excellent. Right? And to, he gives space to. Burt Reynolds to just you know occupy, and which is really the good stuff here anyway. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, in that sense, like I, I I like him here. Like I I wish that we would have seen more performances like this from him, um, just more sincerity. Mm -hmm. Looking at his career right now, I know it didn't happen, but yeah. I wish it had. A lot of duds. Yeah. Transformers last night. Yep. Yeah, yeah, Ted yeah. two. Yeah. Ted two. <laughs> Lone Survivor. <laughs> no. And Yikes. all those other, like Patriot's Day and all those other same. Recent Rob, Rob, disaster American movies. movies. Yeah. Water Horizon. Yep, that one. Yeah. Shooter was good for like a dumb action movie. But uh, how many of these have you seen? A lot. Yeah? I've seen a lot of these movies. I actually did watch Shooter, but I all I remember of it was the general impression of boredom. I don't remember anything <laughs> else about that movie. Really? I thought that movie was like. Yeah, um, I don't know. Yeah. He's in the Italian job, but he's not the one that's good on it. But Ed Norton is in that movie, right? Ed Norton is yeah. a bad oh, guy. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a that's a good spot for him. Planet of the Apes. He's the main character in. Well, in the Tim Burton one. Tim Burton one. Yeah. yeah. What? Yeah, yeah that movie. Mark Wahlberg. It was yeah. Planet of the Apes was, was rebooted um, before the most recent trilogy. Uh, right. They they went back to essentially the Charleston Heston beginning of the of the series and. Just like put Mark Wahlberg in the Charles Heston role, okay, and remade the movie. Um, it, that's before like the prequel version that we have now. That's actually good. Sure. Um, so yeah, he was he was in that. I don't like Tim Burton. In the Perfect Storm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it was a lot of bad. That was with movies. George Clooney, right? I don't know. Was it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Oh, whoa! He followed up Boogie Nights with a big hit. 
What if what did he follow it up with? The big hit. Oh, I thought you said <laughs> it was a big hit. <laughs> was it? It was. <laughs> um, big hit. Yeah, George Clooney's in the perfect storm. So is John C. Riley. Wow. Oh. Reunion. Um, the big hit is an action comedy film from 1998. Have you seen this one too? Yeah. <laughs> and and it was great. No. Oh no. <laughs> upon upon rewatching it. You've seen it more than about once? About like 10, <laughs> maybe about like eight years ago. Why, it, why, if you didn't like it the first time. No, well I saw it in high school and thought it was hilarious. Okay. And then watched it with some friends like seven or eight years ago. And it wasn't? It's really bad. Yeah. All right. Really, really bad. What, I don't know, what was it about? They like kidnap somebody <laughs> and Lou Diamond Phillips is in it. Mm. And... It's it's really bad. Don't don't watch it. Yeah, All I mean, right. I was not going to. Yeah, uh, and he's terrible in it. So bummer. he follows up big hit with or boogie nights with the big hit. I, so. I feel like they're not a like big he big must big. have an agent problem or something because if like this movie was huge, boogie nights was huge. It won Oscars. Oh, yeah. He got a lot of great reviews in it. Wahlberg did yeah, when I was reading Rotten Tomatoes, it was a lot like discovered. Yeah. Discovered Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I I like Wahlberg in this movie. Did he already like, have I, a music career? Yeah, he was Marky Mark. Yeah, I mean, this would have been well after that though, because that was that was like late eighties, I think, okay. early nineties. So not well after, but after. Um, and I think I think he is actually good in this. I think that he does have acting chops. I think he can put together a good performance. It's a shame that he couldn't capitalize on this. He's also in the Basketball Diaries. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> this movie is clearly critical. Okay, I gotta watch <laughs> it. Wow. It's the conflux of so many things right now. Yeah, like uh, like the last three, four movies we've watched. All. I guess so. Boy. Yeah, out of relationship here. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so, any any closing thoughts for just over an hour here? Oh gosh, sorry. Um, other than what I've already said, I feel like I've spoken at length here. Like I love this movie. I think that it's critically important to understanding film in the '90s. I think that it's just a joy to watch it every time. Everyone should see it. I think there are genuinely positive messages here to take away. Uh, go watch Boogie Nights if you haven't seen it. If you have seen it, watch it again. It's just a <laughs> phenomenal movie. I think it's good acting, good music. Doesn't do the same for me. <laughs> but yeah. Well, like I said before, uh, great scenes, great music. Um, I didn't connect with it on quite as deep a level as Wilson, of course, but uh, it was certainly an enjoyable experience. Uh, I would certainly recommend it to people. Yeah. There you go. A plus. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What do we got up next, Grossman? What's our What's our pick? What Mark Wahlberg hit do we have on the pipeline? <laughs> no, I want to do um, the 2000 movie uh, Gladiator. Oh, great! All right. I love Gladiator. Yeah. Unf so unfairly maligned, right? Like unf It's maligned. Yeah, like very much so. Yes, and they're wrong. I just get the impression that people <laughs> well, like it a lot to the point where it would be overrated. Well, let's watch we it. We will discuss this. Yeah, yeah. find out in, next, in the next week. episode. Yeah, I, I think it's. Out. I really like Gladiator, so I'm looking forward to it. I've been actually meaning to rewatch this movie for a while, so this will be a good reason. Okay. All right. Super. See you next week. Thanks for listening, everybody. See you for Gladiator. Hey, everybody. If you're enjoying the podcast, you can help us reach a larger audience by rating and reviewing it on iTunes. It only takes a minute and makes a big difference. Thanks, and enjoy the episode.